0: Uh, we're really delighted that uh, you've taken the time to come and be with us. This is part of our uh, journey as a church as we approach the uh, general election. You will know that uh, uh, Jesus himself had a manifesto. Sometimes it's referred to in Luke chapter 4. So manifestos are uh, at least 2,000 years old. And uh, he talked about the Spirit of the Lord being upon me uh, to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, the release of the oppressed... And uh, freedom for the uh, prisoners. And, And over time, churches have argued about, is that a social transformation that Jesus came to bring? Or was that a spiritual transformation that he came to bring? Our contention is, there is not that divide as we follow God's kingdom call on our lives, social transformation is an inevitable outworking of our faith, and therefore we have to get involved. And it's not our job for any of us to tell you uh, who to vote for, but it is our job, as I heard a, a day or so ago, to encourage us all to vote and to play our part and to get involved. So, Tom, we're, we're really grateful to you for being here. It's our opportunity to, to, to try and get involved. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your connection with Ipswich.
1: Um, well... Um, I was born in Ely in Cambridgeshire. Um, um, I was actually the, the biggest baby in Ely. I was I was a very big baby. I was eleven pounds. I broke the record. Whoa! Um, so um, Whoa. yes, yeah. lots of
0: cross legs well, in the room, especially you know, after what we saw on the screen a few moments ago. Well, well, well actually, my nickname was Big Tom in, <laughs> the, in the ward, but um, so I made um, headlines in the
1: local paper from an early age, um, <laughs> and then I. Um, Went to school in Ely. Um, I was, my parents uh, unfortunately separated uh, when I was five. My mother moved to Bury St Edmunds, and that's where she's lived since. My father continued to live in, in Ely, so I was, my life was, uh, early part of my life was spent on the A14. Uh, so it's a road I know very well. Um, I have lived in Ipswich now for 15 months. I live on Beaufort Close. I realise I'm not the only person who lives on Beaufort Close um, who has a strong involvement with his, uh uh, church. Um, so um, Ipswich is my home. It's a town I'm incredibly uh, passionate about. Um, and clearly, you know, I, I would like to secure the honour of representing all of you in this town in, in Parliament so I can fight as hard as possible uh, for the interests of everybody in this town. Um, I guess in terms of why I'm in politics, you know, that's the question. It's a question I ask myself a lot over the last year. <laughs> um, there's a huge amount of grind, they're you know, involved in, in politics and, and a lot of uh, negativity quite understandably uh, towards politics uh, and politicians. Um, and it is in some respects quite sad uh, that there is such a lack of trust. Um, I'm not a Member of Parliament, I haven't been one, but and I talk to people on the doorstep about what I believe uh, and what I'm passionate about and what, um, and, and what promises I'm, I'm making about how I'm planning to work and People often don't really believe me. You may say, why should I believe you? Because so many politicians have let us down, so many politicians have broken promises. And the sad thing is there is nothing I can say in that particular moment to convince them and to to, to guarantee to them that I I am, in my view, genuine in my passion, genuine in my desire to to make change, positive change in this town. Um, But trust has to be earned. You know, words are cheap, it's action. Um, For me, uh, being a member of parliament is about delivering for the people that you represent what, what brings me to politics, perhaps more than anything else, it's um, opportunities for young people. Uh, when I was um, at school, I had um, learning disabilities. When I was 12, um, I had a reading and a writing age of an 8-year-old. Uh, I didn't really care up until that point because, you know, I just, I like sport, um, I'm a massive Newcastle United fan, and, you know, that, that, that was my main focus. Um, but I was sat down and they said to me that unless I caught up that gap very quickly... I'd have to leave the school, and I'd be um, taken away from my friends. So um, from that moment onwards, I turned it around, and I caught up, and I resolved it. But I was so lucky uh, to be at a school where I got the support I needed. Um, they took me out of French, put me into special needs class. I had a great relationship with, the, with one individual in particular, who um, I owe a debt of gratitude for helping me to overcome those difficulties. Um, but I'm acutely aware that there are so many, uh, so many children with, with learning disabilities, dyslexia, dyspraxia, that I had, but also um, autism and other disabilities who are denied the chance <coughs> to achieve their full potential because they don't necessarily get the support that I got at school. That's an injustice. So, so much of what I would like to do would be to try and break down the barriers that prevent young people from achieving, achieving their full potential. That's a burning passion of mine. Perhaps if I was only one out of ten, or perhaps two out of ten children who had that, those disabilities, who overcame them, there's a, a significant number who can't, for no one to trying. So my passion would be to try and make it so that our school system, our teachers have the money they need, the freedoms they need, the flexibility they need, to as far as possible tailor education around the specific needs of a child. Because if the child in a class of 30 with glazed over eyes not being able to follow the pace of a class is not a child without potential, it's not a child without great talent. It's about unlocking that talent. It's about having an education system where there's a clear sense from an early age that there's multiple different pathways to getting on in life and raising a family. And having that clear sense. So it, 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 really, that's probably the thing that I go back to when there are moments where I question why I'm in politics. It's, 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 it's probably young people. That's what puts fire in my belly. That's what gives me a real passion.
0: And, and talking about faith in its wider sense, how would you describe your kind of faith perspective or your, your values that, that, that fundamentally drive you, not just in the change for young people, but in, but in change for, for everyone? Well, so in terms of my religious background,
1: I, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'll describe myself as a lapsed Catholic. Uh, so I was brought up as a, my mother is, um, half Irish. My middle name is Patrick. Uh, so I went to a, um, uh, church of England school in Ely. Um, so I went to service on a Monday and a Friday, Ely Cathedral. Uh, and then my mother would take me to mass on a Sunday. Um, and, um, So I was I was I was raised as a as a as a Catholic. Um, I would describe myself as a lapsed Catholic. I don't go to mass as much as I ought to, which is not not good. I know, and
0: I will look to resolve this in time. Um, We're gonna we're gonna release you from all that shame and stuff. You're speaking out of okay. This election isn't isn't doing wonders, (laughs) but I I, 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 but I would
1: say that um, I am a um, Christian. I do regard myself as a Christian, Um, and. And I do have a, um, I do have a, you know, relationship with God. Um, you know, um, this day, the first of December in particular, is a, you know, it's a big day for, for my family because it's the day my my grandmother died about about ten years ago. And you know, and that, this is a day when I, me and my father, you know, and my family think about her. And so now I am, and I, I think there are all sorts of ways in which the Christian faith underpins our society, and all in all, in so many different ways in which it's not necessarily obvious. The values of Christianity underpin our society. And I think we, we forget that. We don't acknowledge that at our peril as a society.
0: Great. You've been very honest and open with us. Let's talk about Ipswich, shall we, for a, for a minute. What do you think are the big issues? I know you've been out and about working hard over the last few weeks. What are, what are the big issues facing us as a town?
1: Well, I mean, since, since the 31st of October, we have a um, database where we um, monitor how much we're doing. Um, and um, as, a, as a team, we've actually spoken to 8,000 people um, in the town since the 31st of October. Um, far many before that, but I have the 31st of October as a sort of that, that was kind of when the campaign started in my mind. And I've spoken to probably about four or five thousand out of that 8,000 personally. So I'd like to think I have a bit of a sense of what you know, and that's of course that's across the town, not just in one part. I'd like to have a, I like to think I have a bit of a sense of what people are concerned about and the ways in which I think the town could be improved. I think its concerns about antisocial behaviour and crime is right at the top of the list of the issues that I think people are concerned about. You know, and it's been I've spoken to lots of um, elderly people across the town who um, don't necessarily always feel as though the town centre is that inviting. They don't feel as though they always feel safe and secure t- to go into it. I think that's a that has been raised with me by a huge number of people. So, so that, is, that is a key issue. But, yeah.
0: sorry. No, and One of the things that people particularly say about that sense of, of antisocial behaviour and feeling safe is the number of uh, police officers. Suffolk is receiving 58 new police officers across the whole of Suffolk. Your manifesto talks about 20,000, I think, new police officers. Is that just wholly unrealistic if after nine years we're, we're, we're only seeing 58 in Suffolk? G- give us some kind of feel about how that might work.
1: Well, I don't actually think 54... 54's welcome. I don't think it's enough. Um, so there's 20,000 extra police officers that will be brought, you know, that will be recruited. Um, the process has started they 've um, six thousand of the twenty thousand recruitment for, that for six thousand has started and they 've allocated the six thousand by constabulary um, suffolk 's getting fifty four i don 't think that 's enough. Um, I think the funding formula uh, for police that is set nationally it, it 's not really fair on suffolk i don 't think that we get as many um, as much investment as we ought to. so what I would like to do if I was elected as a Member of Parliament, would be to work with the um, Home Secretary to try and change the funding formula before the next wave of recruitment. So the first 6,000, there's going to be a second wave. Before that second wave starts, I would like the funding formula to be changed so that Suffolk, Ipswich in particular, gets more police officers. Because I often feel as though uh, the people in, in Westminster and Whitehall, when they're making these decisions, they might look at Suffolk and think, oh, you know, it's you know, it's all it was all fine in Suffolk. You know, I may um, sort of think of lavender or something like that. But, you know, it, 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 Ipswich has got, as we all know, real problems when it comes to crime and antisocial behaviour. Mm-hmm. And police presence, vitally important in the town centre, very crucial, but across the town. Um, we were, you know, in a position in 2010 where there was a note left by the outgoing Labour chief secretary to the Treasury that said, I'm sorry, there's no money left. It was an admission by, in my view, the Labour government at the time that they had not done a great job with the public uh, finances. We had a a, a deficit akin to to Greece in 2010. Uh, And the reality is if we hadn't have made um, some cutbacks in terms of public spending, then our economy would have had to have grown at 10% per year to have made the progress that we've made in terms of the structural deficit, which you have to deal with before you start making hard yards in terms of reducing the national debt, which, of course, is vitally important. We do need to. So when people say, why, why now are the Conservatives committing to extra, uh, extra investment when they haven't done for the last nine years, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because we've been having to deal with the situation that we inherited. We have been looking to get our economy into better shape. We do have high, li- high levels of employment at the moment. We have made significant progress when it comes to our pine- public finances. So we're now in a position to really start making some increased investment into our national health service into our education, into police but we're doing so in a in my view a credible way costed plans that we know we can have trust in because we don't want to go back to a a reckless approach that that ultimately compromises the public finances of this country and and in in the medium to long term it's some of the most vulnerable in society who will suffer as Mm. a result of that because of course when we came to power the fourth highest department by spend would have been the Department for Debt Interest. There is nothing progressive about spending that much money on servicing your debt interest.
0: We'll talk about Brexit in a minute, not surprisingly. Um, if, if all that goes according to uh, Mr Johnson's plan, we'll have an Australian point system. How, how will that affect this area of Ipswich, which is... Uh, I don't know what the stats are, but if you walk the streets, feels like uh, that it's now a, a majority immigrant population. How will that change under an Australian immigrants point system? Well,
1: I mean, I, I, I mean, I've, the first point I make about um, immigration is that I'm, you know, this, this country, in my view, is hugely enriched by immigration. You know, I want to be, I want to live in a country that people want to move to uh, to set up home and to set up a family. and and, and, you know, I, want to, I, I wouldn't want to live in a country that people didn't want to move to. That's the first, that's the first thing I'd say. Um, I think Ipswich in particular um, wouldn't be the town it is if it hadn't been for people moving here. I think we're, we're, we're enriched and we are strengthened. Uh, and generally speaking, um, of course, there are always going to be issues, but I think that there's a strong sense of community feel and strong relationships between different communities. But um, I do think that um, I would like immigration uh, to continue to be to be a healthy number and a quite a large number of people moving to this country. But I would like it to be controlled. Um, and I think the problem with being within the European Union has been that you've had complete freedom of movement within the EU. And in, in many respects, you've had a discriminatory immigration system. You know, you've had an immigration system which treats different people differently. I would like to have an immigration system that treats everybody the same. Where, wherever they come from in the world, the sole question should be, uh, you know, to what extent does this individual person bring something to the table for our country in terms of bringing skills, filling the skills need. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable uh, for people to want to immigration to be controlled. I don't think it means people are necessarily anti-immigration. I mean, I'm very pro-immigration, but I just think it should be controlled, and I think it should be balanced, and I think it should treat everybody the same wherever they come from. So, um, I, yeah, I do think that... Um, but, of course, everybody who's, who's, who's within this country and who've moved to make it such a home and if they have come from the European Union area, their status is guaranteed. Um, they have nothing to fear. Um, it's just going forward, we would be introducing an Australian points-based system, which I think is, 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 is a sensible thing to do.
0: And do you think that the long-term impact on Ipswich will mean that we'll see more migration towards our town or less? Well, I mean, it's, I mean if you look at something...
1: I mean, I was, I was talking to the, um, the Indian community last night I was on, in Clapgate Lane talking to the Indian community and I was talking about, you know, and a lot of, a lot, of, many members of the Indian community work within our NHS as doctors and nurses. Uh, and I was hearing many cases where people who were, you know, from, um, from India were wanting to move to the area to work in our NHS and it was incredibly difficult for them to do so. Very bureaucratic, you know, lots of hoops to have to jump through. So in that instance, <laughs> I'd like it to be a lot easier uh, for people to move to Ipswich and to clearly, to work in our NHS because we do need more GPs, we do need more nurses. Um, So I think, yeah, there'll be many instances and then we'll see, um, you know, lots of uh, people moving to Ipswich, setting up home here. Um, Yeah, and I'd like that to continue. I mean, I I want there to be, um, you know, immigration uh, to Ipswich, but I just want it to be um, controlled and I want it to be, you know, yes.
0: And do we have a problem or a challenge with integration? Um,
1: I think, generally speaking, in Ipswich, my impression has been most of the time, no. Um, you know, I've worked with the Bangladeshi Support Centre, as I said, the Indian community. I have um, went to the Polish Independence Day celebrations. Um, I'm incredibly pro-Polish. Um, um, I, 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 I won't bore you with it, but I've actually got an academic expertise in Polish history, but I'm, that's, 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 that's a different matter.
0: Um, you, you must but, come back and well, take us through that.
1: Yeah, I, 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 <clears throat> I, 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 it's a strange, strange um, how I went off in that direction. Uh, but I've, I've got a lot of Polish history, historical knowledge. But I, I, um, I, I think there, are, there have been some issues um, with, um, I think, in some respects, yes, there have been, yeah. And it's, um, you know, I've spoken to, yeah, there have been. But it's difficult to know how to, to really say it, because, I mean, and I think whenever you, want, you touch upon it, you've got to do it sensitively. Uh, and I, the idea of any particular community being stigmatised I'm incredibly uncomfortable with. Yet at the same time, if there, if there is an issue, I do think we need to grapple with it because it's not helping anybody for us to ignore it.
0: You mentioned the NHS, and without needing you to repeat the, the, the conversation about funding and the debt and all of that, so are, are those figures about the NHS real? The NHS, again, feels like it's on its knees if you talk to people, uh, brilliant, wonderful people giving... You know their the heart and soul to it so these, these kind of huge figures of 50,000 nurses and so on, is that, is that real?
1: Um, yeah, it is it is real, I mean I've, I've done NHS surveys in the town um, and it, it, it's probably, with, we haven't got enough GPs, we haven't got enough nurses and uh, you know, Jeremy Hunt, when he was Secretary of State in 2015, he made a number of commitments about increasing the number of GPs and he hasn't, those targets weren't met You know, um, we need to get on top of it and make sure that targets are met when it comes to increasing the number of nurses and increasing the number of GPs. Um, There are some structural issues, issues to do with pension arrangements, but um, there are some fundamental issues in relation to the recruitment and retention of medical professionals that need to be resolved. So, yes, it's about increased funding, but we need to look at some of those structural issues to do with pension arrangements and, and why it is that many GPs are retiring um, earlier, perhaps, when, when, when they might want to, and, and also not working as long as they they might want to, as well, because of because of perverse incentives uh, and uh, and structural issues that could be dealt with. Um, but now, uh, what I would say is, is, we've highlighted it in our manifesto. It's right at the top of it. You know, we need more GPs. We need more nurses. We committed over 33 billion pounds uh, to the NHS. Um, we're incredibly committed to it. This stuff, which is being put out by the Labour Party about Donald Trump, you know, somehow, you know, getting control of our NHS, it, for me, it's a, it's a ludicrous accusation, and there is absolutely no... And it just it, it concerns me, and it's one of these things about media, is that people put things out there, and you, you just keep on saying, it's not true, it's not true, it's not true, because it's not... <laughs> But, you know, I, don't, I just hope that people can see, see that for what it is. It's scaremongering. You know, it's, it's un, in no way under threat. Um, we're increasing the spending by £33 billion. You know, as a party, we're deeply committed to it. The NHS saved my mother's life this year. I'm personally in, in, indebted to, you know, the NHS, just like all of us. I mean, we've all had instances where the NHS has saved <clears> us, <throat> saved our loved ones. We are deeply committed to it. any... No right-minded individual would want to um, compromise our NHS in such a way, um, it would be morally wrong, it would be incredibly unpopular with the country, and also it would be politically suicidal. So I just don't, you know, it's just not... For me, it's... Yeah.
0: So w- w- um, education, policing, health, w- where's all the cash coming from? Have you, you found a bag of it somewhere? Well, where's, it, where's it coming from?
1: It, it, it's, it's, it's coming from the fact that we've got some... We've got very high levels of employment, And and when you have very high levels of employment, you have more people paying taxes, which means we have increased tax yield, which means we have more money to plough into our public services. And also because of the fact that we've made so much uh, progress in dealing with our deficit, which means we have more headway um, to put into our public services. I would say, you know, I know we're going to go on to Brexit, but I would say that ending the uncertainty around Brexit, which is incredibly bad for business... Would also be a, a significant advantage when it comes to having more money to put into our public services. So,
0: but, so let's but, let's launch into the Brexit thing then. so I can see you are itching. Is, 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 has getting it done become way more important than getting it right? Well,
1: I, I think there's I mean, I think it's. I don't necessarily think they're mutually exclusive. I think that there is a there is a massive desire. I think uh, whether people voted to leave or for Remain for 2020 to be slightly more to be about slightly more than just going over the same arguments about the EU membership over and over again. I think there is a desire for many people who want this country to, to turn a chapter uh, so that us politicians have got the energy in the headspace to focus all of their energy on dealing with the issues there are in our society. Um, and I, you know, if I'm lucky enough to be elected as a Member of Parliament for Ipswich, I would like to spend 2020 all of my energy spent on trying to deal with some of the issues in town, antisocial behaviour, getting more GPs, getting more police on the streets, changing that funding formula I want to spend my energy on that, not shoving leaflets for Remain or Leave through people's doorboxes. It's not something that I think would be helpful. Um, there is a massive desire to get it done for, for, for democracy and for a desire to move on and to end uncertainty. But I think this deal that has been um, negotiated by the Prime Minister... Isn't a perfect deal, but it's for me, it's right now where we are. I think it needs to be passed. I think it avoids the disruption of a no deal, it provides a platform to get a deal that avoids um, disruption. It maintains close economic links with our European friends, um, whilst at the same time giving us, in my view, the freedoms necessary to make a success of Brexit. I think that what 's sad is there 's so many people in our town um, who who don 't vote didn 't vote in many elections, and I spoke, speak to them and they say well i didn 't vote in local elections or or even a general sometimes because i didn 't think it made a difference i didn 't think like voting makes a difference, and many of them voted in the EU referendum because they thought it uh, it would make a difference and it was significant and I think if we were, and we had a, a hotly contested referendum where turnout was higher than a general election where um, but it was a close result, but it was a decisive result. I think if we were to turn around to those individuals and say, actually, I know we said this is a once-in-a-generation referendum. I know we would said we respect the result, but actually we were wrong. We don't really think you knew what you're voting for, so we're going to do it again. I think the message that sends out to them, and I think that the damage that does to our shared democracy is so negative that, you
0: know, I just, I honestly... It, it, I want to bring. So, so we, we should settle for a good deal that might not be the best? Is that be, because the destruction of delay is greater than well, just I, getting on with
1: well, it? I, well, I, well, well, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's ever going to get a deal. I mean, I said that this deal, you know, I mean, sort of like the ideal deal. But perhaps the matter is that I'm not in a position to construct the ideal deal for me. So, but, but this deal, in my view, there's enough in it uh, that enables our country to make a success of Brexit, whilst at the same time avoiding a no deal scenario. Which I, which I don't want. So, and, but yes, the uncertainty, more delay, is incredibly damaging. So yes, the desire to get it done is not unreasonable, and, and it is not without merit.
0: Okay, a few, few quick questions. We're running out of time. Uh, lovely to be uh, giving you time to, uh, to share on these things. Look, have some of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we've talked about it at different conversations like this, um, Second all Orwell Crossing, Northern Bypass, Stop all cars going into the town centre. What are we going to do? We're in a pickle, aren't we? We are.
1: We are. Um, but our, so I, I do believe um, that um, we should try and encourage people to leave their cars at home where possible. I do think cycling should be encouraged. I think that I- Ipswich isn't the easiest place in the world to be a cyclist. I think perhaps there are things, more things that can be done to encourage people to cycle. I'm not a cyclist, but if I was teetering on becoming a cyclist, <laughs> probably wouldn't be living in Ipswich. It would get me across the threshold. Um, so I do. I'm not. I care about being passionate about the environment. I'm concerned about air quality in Ipswich. Um, I'm pro a northern bypass. I know. That, uh, I know, but not everybody is. I know that. Uh, I know it's their concerns about it, but I desperately think we need it. I think it would significantly reduce congestion in the town.
0: Great. Okay. You're pro the northern bypass. That's brilliant. Uh, next four years in Ipswich. What uh, you're the MP. What are we going to see. What's what, what you're going to. What's well, going to happen?
1: Well, I I think. When it comes to, you know, if, I'm, if I'm lucky enough to be elected this time round, when it comes to 2023 or 2024, whenever, well, hopefully, but if it's anything like the last few times, it's probably only be about six months and you'll be voting for me again. But, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, it's, hopefully it's a long period of time. Um, you know, it, I would like people to think that, you know, I've got ambitious uh, pledges I've made on my website. Um, I can't guarantee that I'm going to get 100% progress on all of them, but I'm going to be a busy bee on each one of those pledges. And I would like people to think, you know what, he's gone in there and he's, he's worked his absolute hardest, he's worked his socks off, and there's been significant progress on each one of those pledges. So I'd like to see progress in the Northern Bypass. I'd like to see a solution to the All World Bridge closures. Um, Highways England have yet to publish their report on it. It's shrouded in mystery. I'd like that report to be published and something to be done so the bridge doesn't have to close as much as it closes when it's windy. And We want to know the impact that has. I'd like to see fairer funding for Suffolk Police. I'd like to see a real sense of people feeling more safe and secure in their town, higher police presence. I'd like to see continuing improvements in our schools. Um, I'd like to see um, more um, local housing policies to help um, uh, young people in Ipswich get on a property ladder. I'd like to see see more... I'd like to see... I mean, at the moment, I think the aim is to have one GP uh, per 1,300 people uh, in Ipswich. That's the aim. And at the moment we're on about 1900 i'd like to see that where it should be and i'd like to see it much easier for people to get a gp appointment when they need it i did an nhs survey 90% of people who've used the hospital over the last year were happy with the service they received but when it came to getting a gp appointment only 45% of people said it was easy to get an appointment than they wanted one i'd like to see that far higher i'd like to see that at 70 80%
0: and um, the last question, uh, without kind of blowing our own trumpet, but I'm going to blow our own trumpet. The church, not just this church, but the church in Ipswich, is overwhelmingly the largest volunteer organization. The amount of social good and transformation done across the town by the churches is extraordinary. How could we expect, or what could we expect, in terms of support from you? Well, for from, from me, you'd have my presence. Whenever I, whenever I could be here, i have enjoyed being here. I
1: mean, it was um, a very long song, the first one, but I, I, I sort of... I, I <laughs> hopefully, I, 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 I contributed the best I could uh, with my limited um, singing ability. Um, so I would make the odd appearance and, and, and hopefully improve over time and become more used to the length of the first song. Um, but I, 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 would, I would have a presence. Um, but no, I, um, you do a huge amount of work, tremendous work, and so many... You know, give up so much of your time, um, and you're making a real difference. Um, so I would be... Accessible, I'd be a friend, I'd be somebody who's here, and I'd be somebody who, whether, if you needed support, any kind of funding which may be available, I'd be I'd be there supporting you. Um, you do a tremendous amount of good work, uh, and it's which would be a much poorer place uh, without presents. And um, it's an exciting time, Christmas on the horizon, um, you know, and obviously you get chocolate coins whenever every week every week this is i'll be here having some chocolate this wasn't just for you this is every week week. and you
0: did brilliantly making a pop at the first song and not the third one that becky there wrote which would have been awkward wouldn't it (laughs) if you'd made a pop at that one that would have been uncomfortable for all of us you know so that was really brilliant hey we'd love to pray for you we're really grateful of your time let's pray everybody father uh, as as we look on we recognize that it takes a huge sense of calling to step into public life what a nightmare to step into public life, but yet with the belief and the conviction that you can make a difference. We thank you that whatever our persuasion or view this morning, that there are people like Tom who are willing to step up, to step out, and to get involved. So we pray for him wisdom, and insight, and compassion, and mercy, and justice, Give to him, in whatever forms his public life takes, everything that he needs to do a good, honorable job, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Hunt. Thank you very much indeed.